Well, on the screen is Andrew Carnegie at one time and still believed today to be the richest man who ever lived in the United States, made untold fortunes on steel. However, he may be known for being the wealthiest man in American history, but he's also known for something else. Maybe you're a history buff and you know what that is because it impacts every one of our lives today. If you don't know, we'll come back to that here in just a moment. I love this quote by C.S. Lewis. Hardships often prepare ordinary people for an extraordinary destiny. Hardships, they often prepare ordinary people for an extraordinary destiny. I was asked this past week, a radio interview for the book that I wrote. The host asked, you know, is there a reason for the challenges, the difficult times in life. And so we talked about, yes, in those times you build spiritual muscle and you grow stronger. There's also lessons that are learned in those times. But it's also important to remember what Paul talked about. He said, I'd rather boast in my weakness that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Sometimes those challenges are there to remind us that we can't and nor are we called to do all things in our own strength but that we need him. And so Paul would say he was grateful for his weakness because it allowed him to depend more on Christ and more clearly see when he overcame obstacles, it was not in his own strength, but rather Christ working in him. Fascinating study in the Journal of Neurophysiology. They took two groups of people. The first group, they had play the piano, simple notes every day for five days. The second group, they had imagine they played the piano for five days. What they did is they did brain scans of both groups before the experiment and when the experiment was over. Here's the fascinating thing. The group who just imagined they played the piano had the exact same changes in their brain as the people who actually played the notes. How powerful, again, are thoughts, the way that we envision things, the thoughts that we carry have tremendous power. Just thinking about playing the piano has the same impact on your brain as somebody that physically plays the piano. That's why we talk so often about having right thinking, renewed thinking. We're going to look at Isaiah chapter 45, just one verse here, considering this idea Again, sometimes extraordinary people are developed out of some pretty unbelievable circumstances. And sometimes those circumstances are are pretty challenging. But notice what Isaiah 45 verse 3 says, I will give you treasures of darkness. I will give you treasures of darkness. This statement was originally to King Cyrus, but it applies to all those who are are of the faith of Christ. And the promise is, I will give you treasures of darkness. What is the picture being painted there? That in the challenging moments, even when things seem to have no light, no answers, there's treasures there. And just like Paul says, sometimes that treasure is seeing the end of our own strength so that we see the strength of Christ more clearly. Sometimes the treasures, again, is spiritual muscle being built. Sometimes that treasure is just being able to, to rest and saying, this is beyond my own strength. 
I can't wait to see how God is going to work this out. Bill Hybels, retired minister, author, shared one day he had this vision with some other people to have an outreach ministry to help transform the Chicago area. They used a lot of their own money, their savings, credit cards, trying to build this outreach. They were simply out of money. They came up with an idea to, to find some local businesses to, to help out. And Bill Heibel said he finally got a meeting with this guy that was very successful. He said this guy could have written a check to cover the entire thing. He was so excited to sit down with this man. Finally, they set up an appointment. He went to the office and the man said, I believe in your vision. Tell me some more about it again. Bill Hybels talked about the, the changes that could happen in people's lives. They could do this outreach to people in need. And the man said, I believe in that. I'm going to help you out. He took out his checkbook, began to write a check. And Bill Hybels said he could just feel excitement. You know, here's this guy going to give them the assistance that they needed. The man slid the check across the table. And to Bill Hybels' disappointment, it was a couple hundred dollars. He shared about being very angry. He'd go on to say, though, he learned a couple things in that moment. One, our trust has to be solely in God because people often don't come through. He said the second thing, though, is that gentleman, it was his loss because he had an opportunity to be a part of something. He chose not to because all he could think about was himself. He missed out because they did go on to build that outreach impacted several thousand lives. There's treasures in the darkness. Part of that treasure in the darkness, we'll look at some examples here today, but it's about searching out without fear, without selfishness, to say, Lord, what is it you want me to learn in this moment? Back to Andrew Carnegie, the richest man in American history. He lived this out in a beautiful way. When he was 12... Did well in school, but he said, I, I wanted to learn more, and I realized there's tremendous wisdom through the ages concealed in books. So he went to the library, and he was told it's a membership-only library. He'd find out they were all membership-only. The thing is, though, the membership was $2. He didn't have that. He told them that. Can I still use the library? And they said, no, you have to pay the membership fee. Once Andrew Carnegie made his fortune, he went back and revisited that moment when he was a child. said, I don't want anybody to not be able to learn. Poured his fortune into building what we know today as public libraries. Almost 2,000 of them that he built. The reason public libraries are free today Andrew Carnegie, that's finding treasure in darkness. A moment of pain and rejection in his life, he was able to turn that situation around and impact the entire nation. Let me read some lyrics, see if you know who this song is by. I wandered so aimless, life filled with sin, I wouldn't let my dear Savior in. Then Jesus came like a stranger in the night. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. I saw the light, I saw the light, no more darkness, no more night, now I'm so happy, no sorrow in sight, praise the Lord, I saw the light. 
Just like a blind man, I wandered along, worries and fears I claimed for my own. Then like the blind man that God gave back his sight, praise the Lord, I saw the light. Very popular hymn, one of the most popular written in the past hundred years, written by Hank Williams, of course the very popular country singer. Hank Williams wrote this hymn and it's sung in churches, beautiful words his best-known song. However, here's his second best-known song. Hear that lonesome whippoorwill? He sounds too blue to fly. The midnight train is whining low, and I'm so lonesome I could cry. Hank Williams died at 29 in the back of a Cadillac. Some say it's complications from alcohol and drug abuse. Others talk about heart problems that he had. He was known for a violent past, toxic relationships, alcoholism. But on top of that, as this song was shared, part of what he died from was a broken heart. How can one person sing, I saw the light, I saw the light, and on the other hand sing, I'm so lonesome I could cry. That's why we talk about how important it is to to be careful how we treat one another. Never knowing what burden somebody might be carrying. Whether that's someone here on Sunday morning. Maybe it's a family member, a friend you see throughout the week, a co-worker, a stranger. Never know what someone might be carrying into that place that Isaiah speaks about when he says, I'll give you treasures of darkness. Sometimes in the darkness, it's hard to to find that treasure and we need someone to come along beside us and extend a helping hand and some thoughtful words when needed so we can each learn and grow in that place. Isaiah continues, I'll give you treasure of darkness and hidden wealth of secret places. Jesus talked about that secret place, our prayer closet, our time alone with him. There's wealth in the secret place, not a financial picture, but wealth, a wealth of wisdom, a wealth of joy unspeakable, full of glory, a wealth of just basking in his presence. Like Paul would say, when I'm weak, I'm strong because there I see Christ more clearly. As Jesus would share in the parable, the pearl of great price, sometimes that price is costing everything, but it's well worth it. Just like in the parable, when the man digs deep and finds that pearl, Christ, he gives up gladly all else just to have that. That's finding wealth in the secret place. That's finding treasure in the darkness. Hudson Taylor, the founder of China Inland Mission in the 1800s, said, Unless there's an element of risk in our exploits for God, there is no need for faith. Faith is about, again, stepping out to the edge of our ability and then going farther because we say in our heart of hearts, I know that he'll be there to meet me. He's already meeting that need. Perhaps you have a vision and a goal so big it can't happen in your own strength. Your position then to step out in faith. Maybe you're facing a mountain too big to climb in your own ability. You feel at the end of your rope. Well, faith is saying, you know what? I'm positioned now to see Christ more clearly. Amazing example of that is Legs and Kayira. 
known as the lost boy of Africa. When he was an infant, his mother left him at a river, abandoned there. Fortunately, somebody else came along, found him, took him in, and they raised him. He would say, though, the, the year all this happened was lost, so he wasn't quite sure how old he was. But he believes around 12, 13, he was reading some books, read about universities around the world. He was in this poor village in the middle of Africa. And he said, you know, I want to go to a university somewhere. He fell in love with one he read about in the United States, but he had no way to pay, no way to get there. He was at the edge of his own ability. Here's what he did though, 12, 13, 14 years old. He had no shoes, he had an ax, a small backpack, and two books. He started to walk. His plan was to walk to America. What he did over the next two years, walking past dangerous lions, hyenas, dangerous snakes, for two years, he walked some 3,000 miles. Eventually reached a village where some people believed in his vision. They spent months getting together funds for him to eventually go to university in the U.S. He became a, a best-selling author and inspired people with his story of reaching this impossible goal. That's the beauty in recognizing there's treasures even in the darkness, the impossible situations. There's wealth in the secret place when we get into our prayer closet and say, Lord, let me understand your direction more. Back to Isaiah 45, here's the reason for the treasure in darkness. Here is the reason for the wealth in the secret place as Isaiah closes here. In order that you may know, it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who calls you by your name. That promise is just as true for King Cyrus. It's just as true for you and me today. The one who calls us knows our name. The one who reveals the treasure, the wealth, meets us in that secret place in the darkness, knows us by name. And all of these obstacles, the mountains, the valleys, they're to point us more clearly to see his face and to say, I saw the light. I saw the one who calls me by name. Scott Anderson says, if you know you win in the end, there isn't much to be afraid of. Our faith says that Christ is victorious in all things, so that is our inheritance. Even when the challenges arise, we can say, but I know the one who knows me by name is interceding on my behalf. He's already stepped into the situation before I got there. I love this study here. We close with one verse out of Exodus. Maurice McCarthy, beautiful statement here. Exodus 14, 21, this is the scene everybody knows by heart, reading Exodus or seeing the movies. Moses is about to step into the Red Sea and divide it. One verse here, notice what happens. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. 
Three words are the key to that statement. Those three words all that night. Maurice McCarthy shares, the real miracle God did was not in the daytime, but in the night. In the shadows of the night, when men slept, God was secretly working on His deliverance plan. They couldn't see what He was doing. But just because you can't see anything, doesn't mean God isn't moving. In fact, it's quite the opposite. His wind is blowing on your impossible situation. And come morning, you will see and praise Him for what He did in your night session. On the screen are three people that accomplished something unbelievable. John Roebling, his son Washington, and Washington's wife, Emily. They had a dream to build the Brooklyn Bridge spanning from Manhattan to Brooklyn. If completed successfully, it would be twice as long as any other bridge in history. Others had tried it, impossible to do, they said. But John and Washington worked years developing plans on how they could make it happen. Finally, they knew how to build this bridge successfully. They got teams together and began to work. But tragically, during the early stage of construction, John was in a construction accident that proved to be fatal. His son Washington then took leadership of the project, directing the construction, the engineers. They continued to work building this impossible bridge. Unbelievably, Washington was then in a construction accident. He would survive, but he was left paralyzed from the neck down and unable to speak. People said the impossible bridge to build, they were now certain it was impossible to build. Everybody gave up. Washington bedridden, unable to move, unable to speak. His wife Emily at his bedside one day saw he could move one finger. They came up with an elaborate plan, communicating simply by that one finger tapping on her arm. They learned to communicate. And Washington was able to relay to Emily plans on how to complete the bridge answers to questions from the city council and engineers, words to share with the construction team, tapping on her arm, a massive, impossible task. But for 12 years, Washington simply tapped, and Emily take his instructions to the team. And after 12 long years, they completed the impossible. And the first day the Brooklyn Bridge was opened, 150,000 people walked across. There are treasures in the darkness. Wealth in the secret place. Because the one who 
calls you and calls me by name works day and night on our impossible situation. And when you know you win in the end, there's really nothing to fear.